0: The Revenge of the Birds podcast, part of the SB Nation podcast network, hosted by Blake Murphy Seven and Johnny Touchdown, all about your Arizona Cardinals. Hello and welcome, and this is the Revenge of the Birds podcast. We're here to talk about the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, we would like to call it your complete cards coverage. My name is Blake Murphy on Twitter, at BlakeMurphy7, and I'm the co-host of the Revenge of the Birds podcast. Uh, as always, my co-host, the venerable John Venerable, is joining me. And, John, the Cardinals start out 2-1. and one. They drop their first game to the Detroit Lions of the season, first loss. 26 to 23 and uh there's a lot i think that we can talk about in these moments i think the biggest one is there's a lot of upset cardinals fans have felt like that this is a game the cardinals should not have lost they felt like the lions were an inferior opponent uh, walter and i talked about how we never used the words trap game when we previewed the team last week but we knew it wasn't going to be uh as easy cakewalk type of uh, victory but it was interesting to see how the Cardinals uh, effectively the best way you can put it is a lot of the I uh, guess you could say hiccups uh, or stumbling blocks that they had in their first two games seem to kind of all pay off in the third with three Kyler Murray interceptions uh, John what were some of your initial thoughts as we get into kind of breaking down the Cardinals first loss of the season to the Lions
1: yeah, welcome, everybody. Good to be on with you even after a loss. It's It's been a little while since we've had to do a recap, uh, especially when it felt as dejected as we did and do following that 26 to 23 loss to the Detroit Lions. I think most of the losses we experienced, Blake, uh, you know, especially in the second half of last year, I don't want to say we're expected, but, you know, we, we use the term. Um, you know, it wasn't an actual win on the field, but it was a uh, what do you call it? A uh, emotional win or a uh, yeah, feel good win? Victory, something to that right? moral victory. Moral victory. Moral victory. There it is. See, I can't even get my words out because I'm so upset about this loss. So we had moral victories all throughout last year, um, and I think most people thought that that team would be right around where their win total was after starting two and zero and beating San Francisco. They wait the way they did week one. You know, I saw a bunch of people rush to Twitter and just say, hey, they got to be 5-0 and when they go into that game with Dallas. And I would agree that they theoretically were going to be favored in every game leading up to the Dallas Monday night football game. But, you know, this is the NFL. And if you don't play particularly well, and especially if you turn the ball over, you're going to get beat. And I always thought that if they lost one of these next three games, it would be the Lions game just because the Lions have the most talent. It's weird to say that, but they do, of any team that they're facing that being the Lions, the Panthers, and the Jets, even though it was at home, you know my thought process was Blake that you know the Lions were getting Kenny Galladay back. That was a big factor, and it ended up being one of the deciding factors in the game. And then just you know this is a team that jumped out to big leads each of the past two weeks against an undefeated Bears and an undefeated Packers team. Theoretically, had a huge lead on the Bears, should have won that game. You know, say what you want about Chicago. They're probably more fraudulent than not, but they are undefeated. And then the Packers, they were up 14 6 on the Packers. And so I think when the Cardinals continually turn the ball over, and I say the Cardinals, when Kyler Murray had three interceptions in three quarters, which led to ten Detroit Lions points in a what ended up being a field goal contest. That was the deciding factor. Now, there are other elements to, to break down with this game of why they lost, how they lost, what could go better next week. But at the end of the day, the Lions are a professional franchise with pro players. And I know that sounds weird to say, but we watched like, San Francisco manhandle the two New York teams. I mean, those are two of the worst teams roster-wise that we've seen in some time. Say what you want about Matt Patricia, Daryl Bevel, was always a competent offensive coordinator with when he was with the Seahawks against the Arizona Cardinals. Now, I don't say what you want about a Super Bowl play calling, but on the surface, we get a lot out of those teams offensively. And then just look at the talent the Lions had offensively. Matthew Stafford, borderline Pro Bowl caliber, you know, franchise quarterback. They've got a, a slew of of running backs that you know were drafted high. Carry on Johnson, DeAndre Swift. Peterson looked well in spurts yesterday, although the Cardinal defense did well in the second half. And then their receiving core, I mean, would you be willing to say, Blake, it's better than Arizona's receiving core? I mean, like, Galladay is not as good as Hopkins, but he's better than anybody else Arizona has. He led the NFL in touchdowns last year. Marvin Jones Jr. is a really good player. Hopkins is a first-round tight end that looks like he's coming into his own. They've got some nice complimentary guys in Amendola and Jesse James. They use the tight end a lot. I mean... It's it's certainly a competent group, and then up front on their offensive line, which I thought you know the Cardinals did an okay job pressuring Stafford. You know they've Decker is a fantastic left tackle. They've got really nice interior players. I mean this is not a team that is just like similar to Washington outside of scary Terry. Just this has a glut of of non-existent talent. I mean they have talent offensively. I think where we're frustrated, Blake, is the fact that the Cardinals were so scatterbrained offensively that they could not take advantage of this really what's a bottom tier bottom 10 Detroit Lions defense that had given up I think 56 second half points leading into this game and then and then to only come away with 10 points and and 10 points in the third quarter and that was it I mean to be shut out in the fourth quarter at home when you've got the superior you know roster maybe the superior head coach you know you know a a young up-and-coming quarterback that we're all super high on still I I just think that it's a dejecting loss. And I I just can't help but think, Blake, this this might have been a a press-clipping game where the Cardinals thought, we're going to cruise to a victory this week because the Lions have quit and they've blown multiple leads and Matt Patricia's going to get fired. And at the end of the day, you turn the ball over in the NFL, you're going to get beat. And, you know, you got Zane Gonzalez missing an extra point and then the punt team not keeping containment on the long punt return in the fourth quarter. I mean... Yes, the offense, in my opinion, is to blame because the defense gave up three field goals in the second half, and that's it. But everybody played a hand in this loss. Kingsbury said as much, and I get it. Cardinals have injuries on the back end. They've got injuries at safety. Every team in the NFL has injuries right now. It's an unprecedented time for you know personnel losses, and you got to get through it. And so you, you hope that at the end of the year, Blake, we're not looking back at this game and saying... Well, they're not going to be in the playoffs because they lost three, week three to, to Detroit. But, you know, hopefully what this does is it allows them to refocus, get their mind right. I always thought 4-1 entering that Monday night game would be great, no matter what game they lost. But I just looked at the schedule and said, you know, home games, be damned. Yes, you've got to do some travel, but there's no really home field advantage right now. I just looked at the Lions personnel and said, the 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 offense, that skill players that they have – would give the Cardinals trouble the defense trouble last year, if we were basing it off of the you know the defense that we saw a year ago, and yes, that's not this group, and they're better, but certainly they cannot handle three turnovers from Kyler Murray and not force any on the defensive side and expect to come out victorious, Blake.
0: Yeah, the, the story of the game, I think you're right, John, is that the Cardinals are not at a position right now as a team where they're able to overcome a bad game from their starting quarterback. And there's very few teams in the NFL, obviously, who can, but it does end up going to show that uh, some of the best teams, you know, even if your quarterback is playing bad, you see other people step up. Um, this is not one of those games. And and like you mentioned, at least uh, after the third interception that Murray had, it's kind of this gut feeling I think a lot of Cardinals fans had of just That they weren't going to be able to win this game. And in that sense, you do want to credit the Lions as far as their game plan. But it also, John, wasn't like it was super impressive. I mean, uh, if you look at uh, what the actual stats were, no one had 100 rushing yards for Detroit. The receivers, like you said, uh, they had, uh, I think it was no receiver had over 100 yards. But they did stagger it pretty evenly. Uh, Galladay had six catches for 57 yards, Hawkinson four for 53, uh, Marvin Jones three for 51. Uh, It stands in direct contrast to the Cardinals on their side, who you said – Uh, You want to talk about uh, as far as production? DeAndre Hopkins has been lighting up. It's been incredible to see what he's done. 10 receptions on Sunday, 137 yards. Uh, He was all over the field. But after that, your next leading receiver was Andy Isabella, who had three catches for 43 yards in the first quarter alone, and then ended up with only one more catch for three yards after that, which, of course, it did go for a three yard touchdown. Let's not overlook that. But it was interesting to see at least how the Cardinals and their receiving threats are essentially limited right now to one guy. Uh, with Christian Kirk out uh, for the game, we did see Isabella show off a bit more of the explosiveness. It was a awesome touchdown catch that he had. Also got open, at least for an earlier large pass. And the fact that they went away from him, I thought was very interesting. We can get into some of the reason why I think that may have been. Uh, defensively, you were kind of a, a little bit limited with Buda Baker, but he still led the team in tackles. And like you said, John, the Cardinals held the Lions to three field goals. I think the biggest thing that you take away from all of this is... That the Lions came out had a game plan that was essentially designed in a lot of ways to confuse uh, Kyler Murray. Cliff Kingsbury through the ball, lot, and you had 18 carries for Kenyon Drake for 73 yards against a Lions team that was giving up about 170 on average rushing yards in their first two games. And I think that's maybe that's why a lot of people have attacked the play calling. Uh, some of it, I think, also goes to the Lions' game plan of you know if you're going to try to attack. You know, a quarterback like Kyler Murray, uh, not letting him beat you with his legs and saying, hey, we want you to beat us with your arm. Seems to be kind of what their mentality was. And I don't think the Cardinals were in position to be able to do a lot. Um, Larry Fitzgerald was probably the biggest surprise overall. He had one catch in the game, continues his active catch streak, but it went for zero yards when it was all said and done. And you had seven targets for Keyshawn Johnson throughout the game. He ended up coming away with two catches on the day, but three drops also stands out. a lot one of them especially on a back shoulder throw uh, that was not only a catchable ball it seemed like it should have been caught and uh, I think John when you're talking about a quarterback like Kyler Murray some of the reason I think we didn't see this loss coming as much is because he's a guy who just normally always takes care of the football learns from a lot of the different mistakes um, doesn't test it. And it seemed like the throwing over the middle, for some reason at least, uh, just did not work out. A lot of it may be credit to the Lions mixing up whether they were playing a bit of zone or man. I, I know that first interception in the game, it, it looked like there was a pressure from when I went back and rewatched. watched uh, the center, Lamont Galliard. The uh, defensive tackle got a bit of a jump start on him. And it looked like that the running back, I believe it was Chase Evans there, didn't pick up at least the guy just immediately. He got just enough pressure. Where kind of hit Kyler's arm as he threw. Uh, the ball may have been a little high anyway on that intended target for Dan Arnold, but they're playing zone. A guy right behind was able to pick that ball off. Uh, we didn't put that one as much on Murray overall. Maybe the throw was a little bit forced, but sometimes you're going to always have one of those throws per game. If anything, John, the one that was a bit more concerning that we can talk about now, I think, is that second throw that was telegraphed to Larry Fitzgerald and then. Uh, that was picked off and the third throw that was bailing outside of the pocket throwing back across his body usually you never get as much torque on that Uh, Kyler throwing on the run in that aspect was going toward Hopkins it gets picked off and returned by Jeff Okuda and that was kind of the turning point of the game because even though the Lions scored a field goal only on that play it just didn't feel like the Cardinals were in control of the game and it didn't feel like they ever got into a rhythm.
1: Yeah, and you know, I, it almost felt like Blake Kyler was forcing some things yesterday. I don't know if it's because that, you know, the passing numbers have been pedestrian to start the year, and he thought, okay, clearly when you watch that first series, they were making it a priority to run Kenyon Drake to work off of the play action with Kyler. And, you know, he was looking to take shots downfield, especially because, Blake, the pressure just wasn't there from Detroit. You know, they had, I think, one sack on the game, two quarterback hits, the offensive line outside of the aforementioned Lamont Gilliard graded out really well with pro football focus. The the two guards, the two tackles all had above average grades on the day. And, you know, watching that game, it looked like they were holding up just fine against an undermanned Lions front. And so I think Kyler just at, he's at the point right now where he is not yet where we Hoped he would be as a refinement pocket passer, um, and and that's okay. He's twenty three years old. I think we both agree, Blake. He's got limited receivers. He's trying to implement a new receiver in Andy Isabella, and so far so good there. And I think we're also, you know, at a point where are we a little bit Hopkins dependent? We have nobody else that's really making plays outside of Isabella. I mean, Daryl Daniels was their second, or excuse me, their third leading receiver. He and Keyshawn with 24 yards apiece. Keyshawn Johnson was inexplicably targeted seven times for only two catches. And again, it's not that they—he was targeted. It's just the instances in which he was. Fitzgerald non-existent, and Cliff took the blame there. But you know, you mentioned that Kirk being out doesn't help. And I, you know, you saw them try to get back on the same page last week. Then they take a step back with his hamstring. You know, I, you know, we don't want to play devil's advocate here, and we'll get to Isaiah Simmons in a second. But I mean, we, you were the biggest advocate in the offseason. I'll give you credit of preaching the likes of Ceedee Lamb at seven, even though they acquired DeAndre Hopkins, and I thought that was lunacy. I'm a big Kenyon Drake guy. It's not making me look real good to start this year, Isabella. We'll see what he does you know in the coming weeks, but I, I do think part of it's on Kyler and I think part of it is on this receiving core still being much of the same as it was a year ago minus Hopkins Hopkins has been a godsend he's on pace for you know ungodly numbers this year I think over 1700 yards over 130 catches I mean just unbelievable franchise setting numbers but I will mentioned to you Blake that you know if these are the kind of outings we're going to get from Fitz and he's making eight eight figures that's going to be a problem right the Cardinals need more from their complimentary receivers outside of Hopkins because we cannot get to a point where we're having critical junctures in the game and you're targeting Keyshawn Johnson who I like but hasn't played at all this year the creativity I just I think wasn't there from 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 Cliff this week and I also do think that you know, we we didn't take advantage as much. I mean, the Lions gave up 27 for 109 on the ground. That's four yards a carry. I think they would take that every day, And you know, compared to what had been happening to them rushing the football. So, again, I'm going to put some of the ownership on Kyler, but I also do think that, you know, we and this team needs to get back to being in a consistent rhythm, and that starts with the inclusion of the run game. Kenyon Drake having eighteen carries, I think if you go back and you rewatch that game, probably need to have him somewhere between twenty-five to twenty seven, just how that game was going. Um, I also think about, you know, the, the instances in which Kyler turned the ball over. Who knows if those drives were cut short, those would have been instances in which you would have given Drake or Edmonds, you know, significant touches on the ground. But the the passing game, bottom line, it's not where it needs to be. And for the people – I said this on my Periscope yesterday after the game. For the people that are critical of the defense, again, I completely understand the touchdown at the end of the first half was unacceptable. You, you don't want to see them give up, you know, big chunk plays for the field goal to end the game. But I also know that this defense just needs to be complimentary of an offense, Blake, that we think needs to be top 10 for them to make the postseason. They – I think it's unrealistic to be – to expect to be carried by this defense – the offense, to this point, has been the one that's underachieved to start this year. I, they played well against the Niners week one, but left a lot of meat on the bone. Last week against Washington, we could say the same thing. And then, goodness, they should have sleptwalked their way yesterday against Detroit to 30-plus points. And they should have won this game handedly because of their offense. The offense is too inconsistent right now. And it's not the offensive line. It's everything else. It's Murray's play. Drake doesn't look as explosive. Are the backs getting enough carries to to warrant their inexplosiveness? The receiving core outside of Hopkins has been very inconsistent. You know, the tight end play, Dan Arnold has not looked good these past couple weeks. Had a false start yesterday that hampered them in the red zone. And then Cliff just was not sharp yesterday. The decision to take Kyler off the field on fourth and one was Strevler you know, I'm all for incorporating Strevler, but not if it means you take your franchise quarterback off the field in fourth and one. So again, we can be critical of the defense and that's okay. I'm a critic of poor defensive play, just like everybody else. But this team, if they're going to make a postseason run, which we think they can, they need to be more proficient on offense. And that doesn't mean they have to put up 30 points every week, but they've got Serious turnover. I mean, Kyler's got five interceptions in five games. That's partially on him. That's partially on the play calling. That's partially on the skill players. That's not good enough week to week to win. Turnovers will get you beat. When were they winning last year and had their nice little three game winning streak? It's when Kyler was playing it, not safe, but was playing smart football. And he's gotten to that point, Blake, I think, with his hits, throwing the ball away with the offensive line. Now we just need to see some throwaways when we know the receiver isn't open. But the offense has to be better, and I think they will be better beginning this weekend against Carolina.
0: Yeah, John, interesting you're talking about like some of the throwaways and other aspects. Um, This is the third game in a row that Kyler had the uh, intentional grounding penalty where he was inside of the pocket. Uh, Receiver was not in the area. It was kind of a drive killer. Um, There was another throw that potentially could have gone for that where it almost happened twice in week one against the Niners. Uh, I think that what you're talking about right now is you're looking at a developing and growing quarterback. And I think what we have to recognize and accept is a lot of the hype and a lot of the attributes of him are not underrated when it comes to Kyler. You can look back and see the way that he left Jeff Okuda's strap essentially just on the middle of the field. They had a play that the Lions did perfectly where Um, they covered the run they covered the other aspects Kyler kept the ball on a bootleg they had a guy there ready to cover him and he just basically just takes a few steps zips past him gets a touchdown Um, it's interesting as Kyler has more intercept interceptions this year than passing touchdowns but in the terms of his legs he's going to end up with potentially breaking the rushing touchdown record if he stays on a similar pace To what he did. A lot of it is, I think, the growing pains of you're talking about a second year quarterback with a second year play caller in the NFL. It's not necessarily on a playoff team like the Ravens or like the Chiefs where there's talent that can make up for things around him. Uh, You just get DeAndre Hopkins this year. He's kind of your guy. But I do think, John, let's talk a little bit about. Uh, some of the aspects because like you said there's ways where sometimes you can say it's on the quarterback sometimes you can say there's talent around him In this game I think especially a lot of it did go on where when Kyler Murray did not have a great game and I think that was something that people didn't expect as much against the Lions and there was other players who certainly didn't step up Um, but a lot of it was you looked at Larry Fitzgerald there were times that Fitzgerald was open like pretty much wide open and Murray just did not look his way. I do wonder whether it was designs as far as with Cliff for each of the areas. Maybe there was more that they designed to the outside. That's why Keyshawn got a lot more targets. You get that one-on-one coverage. A Lot less likely to then have to throw in traffic over the middle. That may have been a part of it. It came with the cost of Fitzgerald. Uh, like we even talked about, I think, uh, in some of our chats and DMs, Andy Isabella was wide open on that play. Kyler forces it on third and nine to into double coverage. Johnson looked like he either gave up on the route or thought that he was a distraction. Didn't think Kyler was going to throw the pass. Uh, That was kind of a critical play that you had there. Um, Some of that, I think, falls to when you're talking about the run game. Max Williams has been out. I think that's had a much bigger impact on freeing up some of the different rushing lanes and having run designs than we think, Uh, partially because even though Daryl Daniels is a good blocking tight end, he's not a high-level guy like Williams in that department. Uh, That's, I think, been part of the impact that we've seen. And then, like you talked about, Kenyon's been efficient. Uh, you know, 18 carries, 73 yards, but the explosiveness that was there last year, I think that him coming out of camp still may be a little bit hampered, but clearly it's not hampered like he's, you know, David Johnson back there. He still has had a, a few big plays he's gone off to. Uh, this was just a game where the best way you can put it was I think it's a learning lesson in terms of for Murray, obviously, um, you're going to have a lot of questions about, hey, like when it comes to him, teams are going to attack him by trying to get him to throw over the medal into traffic. Uh, you look at with Cliff Kingsbury, There's a couple plays, the end round to Isabella. Uh, play calling, probably some people said may have gotten a little bit cute. You probably should have just kind of gone in and tried to just run the football down their throat, similar to what the Packers and other teams did. Maybe Cliff didn't feel they had the capability to do that without Williams. Um, but I think that that was one thing you can detract. The other biggest aspect, I think, obviously, is if you've got a hot hand in Isabella, and you don't target him, I think you target him once for the rest of the game. Uh, that's something at least maybe you can kind of take a look at it from some of the film and adjust what's good i think that we've seen is that kingsbury seems to always take one of these losses to heart he's always made adjustments and has seemed to have come out in the next game to be a lot better uh like you said john the disappointment comes from you're hoping that this isn't kind of a letdown game that then sets you up in the future for a lot more issues and problems uh i think that the uh one thing that i'll say at least before kind of shooting it back to you um There's a lot that we have to say that we've talked about negative. We'll get to the positives here in a bit because there was a lot of positives that I still did see through this game. I did feel like that Daryl Bevel was a little comfortable with some of Vance Joseph's play calling. There was a time where Buda Baker fired on a blitz and they had a play that just threw right to DeAndre Swift, right into the pressure. Picked up, I think, some 20 yards, got right into field goal range. Some of that may at least be amidst this improved Cardinals defense that we've seen. Again, it wasn't like the the Lions said that they felt like they could have, you know, potentially hung 40 points on the Cardinals. I'm like, well, I mean, yeah, Cardinals felt like they could have hung 40 points on the Lions if it wasn't for the interceptions for the Lions, if it wasn't for some of those red zone struggles. Both of these teams kind of held themselves back, I think, in a way. But neither of these teams were bad enough in that aspect, too. So uh, what I think I want to kind of wrap up as far as for kind of the uh, maybe you could talk about for some of the negativity before we talk to some of the things we saw that we like, John, um, is you've got a very different view of this Cardinals team if the Niners game changes the ending where the Niners score on that last play Kendrick Bourne catches that pass Jimmy Garoppolo is on time and Arizona loses that game suddenly you're talking about a one and two Cardinals team that looks like it's stumbled around a lot on offense has a a much better looking defense i think that in a lot of aspects is probably what's going to cause fans a bit of the more uh, some of the concern And to me, I think it's easy to be able to sway some of that by saying, all right, best way to go out and prove that you're a 2-in-1 team is by becoming a 3-in-1 team next week to learn, to bounce back, knowing you've got a team like the Panthers that are coming to town. Because uh, like we've seen, John, this team, we believe, can contend with pretty much anyone in the NFC. Uh, probably even anyone in the AFC. The issue, of course, is they also, as we've seen to the Lions, they could lose to potentially any team as well, outside of maybe the likes of the Jets or the Washington football team. Uh, And in that regard, I think it's something where it's a step that the team is able to take. Your hope is that they learn from it and grow. It's just a sign that we're not talking about, you know, this 12-4 and Cardinals team that's going to be on there. It'd show that there's a lot of growing pains they still have to go through.
1: Yeah. We talked about last year being a, a team that just had to learn the intricacies of the NFL, meaning for Kingsbury and Kyler to get on the same page, to have positive momentum leading into this year. But the win loss record—sure, you wanted to win as many games as possible, but that wasn't the, the end result. Can Kyler be productive? Clearly, rookie of the year. Can Kingsbury earn some respect? You know, amongst you know the league executives and. Yes, he uh, amongst his peers, absolutely. This year, it was about learning how to win. We thought that this team had a chance. I, I think we still do to be a postseason team. I think I said nine and seven, ten and six, flip flop back and forth with the addition of the the seven seed. They're they're learning how to do that. They're going to probably lose some games they're not supposed to, and probably win games they're not supposed to, and that's okay. That's the NFL. But I I do think that. You know, the difference in what we saw, I keep going back to those that want to compare the Kyler situation to Lamar and Patrick Mahomes. They had Super Bowl caliber head coaches, loaded rosters, and the quarterback, I don't want to say was a complimentary, but it unlocked the quarterback's potential in a way where he was allowed to make mistakes, and the team was so dynamic. Those Chief and Raven teams are so dynamic, they could overcome fumbles by Lamar or interceptions by Mahomes, Kyler is still being asked to, to carry this franchise in year two of what is still very much a rebuilding team, Blake. Hopkins right now is over, not overshadowing, but kind of glossing over a receiving core that is still underdeveloped and not super talented, right? And we look at defensively, still don't have you know prototypical blue-chip defensive lineman. The secondary is without a number-one corner. They're decimated right now at safety injury-wise. They don't have a consistent pass rush right now, including Chandler Jones. So I just I think that we can all take a deep breath. I still like them to win 9-10 games. Um, they have to get it right this week. I don't want to call this week a must-win, but I do think that, Blake, when you talk about expectations – and how they can run wild. Most people thought that this team, if they were 2 and 1 exiting week 3, that was a hell of a start. Now, you won the first two, and that's what makes this so bitter having this conversation this week, but learning how to win in the NFL is a process. The quarterback, the head coach, many young players on the team. I mean, nobody on this roster has consistently won before. The only people that have reached the kind of success that want to, you know, capture it again is You know, the Fitzgeralds, the Hopkins, they've made postseason runs. But when you talk about what drives this team, it's Kingsbury and Kyler, and they have to be better for this team to win. Kingsbury was not great on Sunday. Neither was his quarterback. They coincide. If they're great every week, the Cardinals have a heck of a shot to come out victorious. And I think that they will be better. But I also think we have to take a step back and say, okay, this is the same team minus – or with some additions with some tweaks that went ten five ten 5 10 and 1 last year that lost to i think duck hodges at home i mean there there are going to be ups and downs throughout the course of this year they need to figure out a way to get some of these other receivers involved spread out the passing game to have it be more consistent kyler needs to limit his his turnovers and then defensively they need to find a role for isaiah simmons seventh overall pick needs to play in some regard because they're not talented enough defensively to have him not play. So they're going to hopefully figure it out. Kingsbury, if anything, made great adjustments as the year went on last year, and I expect him to do do the same after this loss, Blake.
0: Yeah, I I agree, John. Talking about some of the play calling and other stuff, I I feel like the play calling in the NFL, it's always one of those kind of – Caused, I guess it results-based analysis. Like you're talking about the Cardinals. If the Cardinals bring in Chris Traveler on that fourth and one play, Dan Arnold doesn't jump off sides and they uh, just kind of run it up the middle with a quarterback sneak for a first down. You're like, Oh, Cliff's great. He took a, you know, big hit off of Kyler Murray. Gave it to uh, Chris Streveler, converted with some of the other previous plays. You look at that, that end around to uh, Christian Kirk from, I believe, the uh, the Washington football team game a week ago. So, yeah, the Lions weren't able to, you know, stop the play for that one. Uh, in part because they had to watch out for some sort of trickery going on and now Cliff's able to just kind of run these physical plays with his backup quarterback. Uh, when you have that offsides that's there and the Cardinals are struggling on offense, you're just kind of like, hey, why are you pulling Kyler off of the field at least on a fourth down play where you got to have it? Put that guy on the field so that way you can, you know, have options to run, have options to pass. And in that regard, I don't mind it honestly at all as much because it's a results-based thing. Uh, you look at the... Uh, A game that I think of similarly this year was the Patriot Seahawks end of the game. People bashed the play calling where they ran the ball with Cam Newton saying, oh, you should have thrown it or given him an option in that play. I'm like, "Eh, I can agree with that. But they also ran that same play for three touchdowns earlier in the game. So it's like there's a lot that comes in, I think, when you're talking about how play calling works. And most of it ends up being, I think, uh, overblown in that regard, because. Ultimately, you can call the play as one thing, execution is something completely different. And in this game, Kyler Murray did not execute well. You can credit the Lions, and I think that the Lions in a lot of ways, John, have given a lot of other teams this kind of game plan for here's how we're going to have to force the Cardinals to adjust to. You're going to try to play contain on Kyler Murray. You say, hey, we don't care as much about the pressure. We can get hits, but we're not trying to go out here and wallop him. We're just trying to make sure we can avoid him damaging us with his legs. You mix up some of your man and zone coverages, try to make him confused as far as for that when he throws the ball over the middle thinking it's man. Suddenly it turns out it's zone. A guy he didn't seize comes into the picture, picks him off. That's going to be what teams are going to throw at them. And in that regard, you're going to have to be, if you're Kyler Murray and you're going to be the franchise guy, the one who's here, you're going to have to then raise your level of play and adjust and force it where teams aren't just going to be able to have a playbook to beating you. That's really what the definition of a franchise quarterback is, is is a player who, despite whatever type of physical limitations you have, you can overcome those and be able to grow and progress to the point where teams are just not able to stop you. You're always productive to that point. Uh, One of the things I did want to at least mention, John, is um, this will be kind of something we can go over with uh, Vance Joseph as far as going into some of the positives. Uh, One positive I felt like was that the pass rush, despite having only one sack on the year from Chandler Jones, has been better than advertised. The Cardinals have been top five in the nfl in sacks they've got 11 sacks through three games we got to see a sack from Corey peters another sack from jordan phillips hassan reddick got in on the action uh, you watch some of the film back and you'll able to see that their the lions were basically using running backs and tight ends to chip chandler jones kind of just push him back make sure he couldn't get to the quarterback he was almost never in a one-on-one situation if he was there was usually a quick pass that was in the game works The fact that the Cardinals are able to have a success like Phillips to be able to see Peters getting pressure... Um, I, I think that's been at least a huge positive because you're not having to rely on Chandler Jones the entire time. Now, the downside that we're seeing with that, John, is you're not seeing these forced fumbles that are going with Chandler hitting the quarterback that Arizona seemed to rely on all the time last year. And you're not seeing very many takeaways on the defensive side. If the Cardinals get one takeaway, either from a forced fumble or an interception that's forced in this game, it's a totally different ball game because the Cardinals then would be able to have a better chance at field position. Uh, We've seen also how in the first two games when they forced a takeaway on special teams uh, or when they had an interception that they kind of were energized. They went down the field, they burned the other team and took advantage of it that's something i think that maybe some of that is a talent issue some of that maybe that's a scheme thing that you're gonna have to see with vance joseph he did play quite a bit of zone coverage it looked like uh, in the red zone one of those touchdowns to kenny galladay uh, you kind of saw him beat buddha baker he just kind of ran right through the zones maybe some of that is kind of having to figure that out with this team and some of that, John, I think is a factor of the Cardinals don't really have a true free safety right now who's going to be able to pick off some of those passes. As we've talked about Buda, he's your guy who's your tackling machine in the box who can then cover guys and get pass breakups. He's not kind of going to be that typical Ed Reed prototype guy. And we have no idea if we're going to see that from Jalen Thompson because he unfortunately went out on the second snap of the year on defense. So. In that regard, I think that's going to be kind of one of the factors that you'll have to measure throughout the year is something that's maybe limiting the Cardinals in terms of if you're going to lose the turnover battle, uh, part of that is not just about Kyler Murray throwing three interceptions. It also does fall on your defense as well. And some of that maybe to to me, John, we can go into some of the news that broke today. This is the Cardinals as far as coming out of their 53, what I talked about and some controversy people said in this game was I felt that the Cardinals just kind of did not address the – safety position as well as they should have coming out of training camp like they had Jalen Thompson he was your starter they had Buda Baker you put Chris Banjo who's maybe in some of that role that he could take up but I felt like he was much more of the special teams type of player I feel like they needed more of a rotational guy someone who could play some of that deep middle knowing that hey if you're going to be able to see Buda Baker miss time okay you got Jalen Thompson can move someone into his role you still have that deep safety is set What we've seen now with Jalen Thompson out is Buddha Baker has still been able to be himself. Now that Baker, from what the news that we've seen, John, is he's going to have to have a procedure on his thumb. It's the same procedure Drew Brees had last year, but uh, fortunately... Unlike Brees, who has to throw the ball for a living, Baker at least is expected to miss only one game. Maybe there'll be another game. When Chris Banjo got hurt in this game and went out, suddenly you're talking about Arizona being down to their fourth and fifth safeties. You see a missed tackle by Curtis Riley that has a chance to put the Lions into a third and five situation, a long field goal, a chance to even potentially get a stop or a sack to push them back out of it, send the game to overtime. You miss that as a result. and I do think that's unkind. Uh, I, that's something I think that we can talk about at least as a, a negative, and we'll see if the news that Cliff Kingsbury talked about today, with Isaiah Simmons potentially getting some time at safety and the team working out former Cardinal Tony Jefferson, I don't know how much of an effect that can have at this point of the season, John. That that'll be interesting to see. They'll yeah. have to get caught up to speed.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'll make this final point just with regard to what you mentioned, Blake. I I think that they looked at the safety position. They thought you know, they would have a, a jump from Jalen. They they invested two picks last year in Deontay and Jalen in the offseason, and then you, you add and in the the ascension of Buddha Baker, who they made the highest paid safety in the NFL, they probably thought they were good at that point. And then especially after adding Isaiah Simmons, his versatility on the back end, and now your position group is decimated. Everybody's got injuries. What I will say is the Tony Jefferson move is interesting because if they are able to bring him in, that's a long-term play. That's not, hey, come save us against Carolina this weekend. That's, you know, when we play the Seattles and the San Francisco's again, when we play the Rams, you're a veteran player that's been around the block, that's been to the postseason, that can take on a leadership role that right now they need outside of Buddha at the safety position. And I, I would love that move. I'm sure a lot of Cardinal fans would love that move. Um, but let me just briefly touch – on isaiah simmons here blake isaiah simmons as the defense is currently constructed is averaging between seven and ten snaps a game for the seventh overall pick for a defense that we both feel like has improved but cannot be in a position where simmons is not getting significant snaps in order to get better he actually improved week to week from the first week to the third week. He's a very steady tackler, As a pro football focus grade of 70 or more as a tackler the past two weeks. His coverage is improving. Still not great rushing the passer, but what I will say is he's not playing over DeAndre Campbell, Devondre Campbell or Jordan Hicks right now. Whereas he has the best opportunity to play on top of where did he play the majority of his college snaps was at the safety position. Let him go in and get all the reps this week, at the starting, strong safety or free safety, wherever you want to play him. So when Buddha comes back, those are your two starters for the remainder of this year. And just see how it goes. He's too talented, Blake, not to play. They can't afford to not have him on the field. Because you know what? My, my bet, Blake, would be that the more he plays, the better he gets. Crazy as that sounds. And then also, Blake, this secondary is not built to intercept the football. Buda Baker has never had a career interception in the NFL. Byron Murphy didn't pick balls off all that often at Washington. That was one of his biggest bugaboos at the University of Washington entering the NFL. You look at Isaiah Simmons. He has an ability to be the athletic difference maker on the back end that they need. And why not, instead of trotting out Curtis Riley or, or Charles Washington, I like Deontay Thompson. I thought he was fine yesterday. Put your best athlete at, at safety and see what happens. I bet he makes a player too. two
0: absolutely and that will wrap it up for us here on this edition of the revenge of the birds podcast thank you guys for listening in uh interesting game to say the least uh, eating a bit of crow and andy isabella losing some safeties um a three interception game from kyler murray we'll see how the bounce back will be fortunately the arizona cardinals do have, a, again, a record against uh, losing teams, uh, at least under 500 teams right now, and that'll take place with the Carolina Panthers. We'll be looking at them later in the week with a game preview, and uh, it'll be important, obviously. Your goal is to be 3-1 and, and not fall back to 2-2 two and two, uh, to keep pace in an NFC West that uh, right now is clearly the best division in football. Everyone in the division is 2-1, and one, save for the 3-0 thanks again for tuning in guys uh, uh, again this is the Revenge of the Birds podcast you can find this places like Apple Podcasts, Spotify be able to look as well on uh, places like iHeartRadio Stitcher Radio if you're not listening to us there already and of course as always on RevengeOfTheBirds.com for my co-host, the venerable John Venerable, make sure you're following him on Twitter at JohnnyVenerable I'm at BlakeMurphy7, thanks for tuning in <laughs>